this. Don't follow pagan gods. Don't follow idols. Don't get wrapped up with culture. And what did they do? They did everything to the T. They followed idols. They got wrapped up with the culture, followed other gods. And so they, they got carried away into Babylonian exile. And the, Babylon, the Babylonians were the worst people on planet Earth. Like, so right now, if you think about any group on Earth that you think are really bad people, like the worst people, these were way worse than them. And the children of Israel were slaves to the Babylonians. And Jeremiah, his message to them was this, stop doing what you're doing or it's going to cost you something. He's like, guys, you can't keep doing this. And they did not want to listen to Jeremiah. As we looked at last week, um, before they went into Babylonian exile, it was getting ready to happen. They knew it was coming. The hammer was dropping down. Here's what the message was from false prophets. It will only last two years and you'll be let out. Only two years. Hen and I and all the false prophets saying, your breakthrough is coming. You get ready because your time is coming. Your season is coming. And Jeremiah was saying, no, actually God sent me 70 years. They said, Jeremiah, pause. You stand to the side here. We want these other prophets talking to us. Well, what Jeremiah said came to pass. Now they are in Babylonian exile. They are slaves. They're being treated wickedly by the Babylonians. And they're wondering, what future do we have? And the thing about this is they got themselves into this mess. They screwed up. They disobeyed God. They did everything wrong. And what you're going to see in Jeremiah 31, which is beautiful, is that now the Lord is telling them in the middle of Babylonian exile the future that he has for them, that he will stand beside them. And what you're going to see in Jeremiah 31 is a picture of what mercy really is. And look at this and look what Jeremiah says to the children of uh, of Israel on behalf of God. He says, in that day, verse 1 of chapter 31, says the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel and they will be my people. What is in that day? That day is when they get to go back to Jerusalem. So when you read Nehemiah and Ezra and all those guys, um, that Malachi, that's when it's all being restored. He's saying that day will come He says, this is what the Lord says. Those who survive the coming destruction will find blessings even in the barren land, for I will give rest to the people of Israel. Long ago, the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With an unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. Verse 4, I will rebuild you, my virgin Israel. You will again be happy and dance merrily with your tambourines. Again, you will plant vineyards on the mountains of Samaria and eat from your own gardens there. The day will come when watchmen will shout from the hill country of Ephraim, Come, let us go to Jerusalem to worship the Lord our God. Now this is what the Lord says. Sing with joy for Israel. Shout for the greatest of nations. Shout with praise and joy. Save your people, O Lord, the remnant of Israel. For I will bring them from the north and from the distant corners of the earth. I will not forget the blind and the lame, the expectant mothers and the women in labor. A great company will return. Tears of joy will stream down their faces, and I will lead them home with great care. They will walk beside quiet streams and on smooth paths where they will not stumble. For I am Israel's father, and Ephraim is my oldest child. Listen to this message from the Lord, you nations of the world. Proclaim it to the distant coastlands. The Lord, who scattered his people, will gather them and watch over them as a shepherd does his flock. For the Lord has redeemed Israel from those too strong for them. They will come home and sing songs of joy on the heights of Jerusalem. They will be radiant because of the Lord's good gifts. 
the abundant crops of grain, new wine, olive oil, and healthy flocks and herds. Their life will be like watered, a watered garden. All their sorrows will be gone. God is promising Israel that he will restore them. And what you're seeing here is that Israel did nothing to deserve it. It wasn't like, you know, that they are going into Babylonian exile repentant. We don't see any place where they said, hey, look, you know, God, I'm really sorry. Now can you fix everything? Hey, God, you know, I, I know I did wrong. And the Lord decided to stand beside them anyway. And what you see, and what I want to talk to you about this morning is something that we don't get really in our culture. And we don't understand about the character of God and it's mercy. And if you have your notes handy, write this down because here's today's big idea. And it's, it's this here. God's highest goodness is experienced through his mercy. God's highest goodness, goodness is experienced through his mercy. Now see, love has two attributes, grace and mercy. And, and there's a third we can talk, talk about a little later called truth, but grace and mercy are the ones that we love to talk about. Why is it God's highest good, God, goodness? Because God is just. And God has to punish sin. That's why he sent Christ, right? We learned about that in our Romans series several months ago, is that God has to punish sin. So why is mercy God's highest goodness? Because we don't deserve it. And God comes in and says, you don't deserve this mercy. Because see, in our culture, we don't really get that. We think in American Christianity that somehow we have earned everything God's given us. We have earned salvation somehow. You know, I'm just, I've just done so good, and I've been on track, and that's why God is just so good to me. God is not just so good to you because you've been so good to Him. It's because He's merciful. And this is so important. We're going to unpack this today because I, don't, I believe we have lost the attribute of mercy, which has impacted and inhibited our ability to worship God. That's why some of us are just so nonchalant, like, uh, uh, this good, uh, because you have no idea that you've received mercy. No idea. The depth of God's goodness, the highest goodness that God can give. So I shared this example, and this is one of the best I can share, is that mankind sinned in the garden. We're all sinners, right? And because of sin, God is holy and just. God cannot overlook sin. He is completely holy, completely just. No sin can enter His presence. And so because we've sinned, we now deserve to die. Adam and Eve. He said, you'll die if you eat of this tree. They ate, they're like, well, we didn't die. He's like, no, 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 spiritual death. There's a, there's a second death. There's the physical death. Then there's this, the, uh, the first death. Then there's a second death of, of hell in the grave. And what God did was this. He said, now I've got to punish you with sin and death and hell in the grave. So God pulls out the gun. He puts us up like a firing squad, and he fires the bullet at us. But God in his mercy, in the form of Christ, comes and stands in front of the very bullet that he fired and took it for us. We didn't do anything. All we brought to the table was sin. That's all. Like, like when you get saved, you don't bring like some good stuff to the table to God and say, God, hey, look, have you ever thought when you see somebody, man, if they got saved, they could really do some good for the kingdom? That's not how God thinks. God's like, yeah, yeah, we are all, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. He fires the bullet. He, in the form of Christ, he comes and takes the very bullet that he fired at us in mercy. Because here's what mercy is. Mercy is not getting what we rightfully deserve. That's what mercy is. 
And it's one of the main attributes of God. It's one of the main characteristics of Christianity. And friends, when you realize, I, I don't deserve any blessing that God has given me. I don't deserve salvation. I don't deserve to be in his presence. And God looks at you and says, you sinful creatures, through Christ, I'm going to show you mercy so we can be in relationship again. And that's what God did for us in mercy. That's what he did for Israel. They did not deserve to be restored. They did not deserve any of the things that God was promising them and what God has done for Israel. None of that. But mercy is not getting what we rightfully deserve. So what is mercy? Mercy is this. Mercy is compassion towards someone that you have the ability to punish. That's what it is. Mercy is having compassion towards someone you have the ability to punish. So think about someone that's within your power to hurt them, to withhold from them, because they have done something to you. What mercy is is saying they deserve this. They rightfully deserve what's coming for them. And you say, you know what? I'm showing mercy. I am not going to give them what they deserve. I'm going to actually show compassion to them. And in our culture, that's not how things go. I've told you over and over again, we are set up in our culture to be anti-gospel, to be anti-Christ per se. You know why? Because we're not a merciful culture. Like there's no movie that's going to make it where the main character shows mercy. Right? There's like no movie that's going to actually make it big. The only thing that I can come close to is Star Wars. My son and I act out Star Wars all the time. And one of us has got to be the Sith, and one's got to be the Jedi. And every time we're playing, and he's the Sith, and he's like, no, 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 I'll give up. No, no, I'll be on your side. It's like, no, you won't. You're lying to me. I just need to go ahead and just kill you right now. And he's like, no, Daddy, stop. Jedi don't do that. They show mercy. But think about in the movies we watch, like a movie like Taken. Remember that with Liam Neeson? I have a very special set of skills. I will find you, and I will kill you. And we're like, yeah, that's right. And the whole movie, you're like, yeah, he's going to find him. If, if, man, that was, and he's going to take him out, right? And, like when he, and when he does it, there's this sense of like justice that just flows through our veins. And in our culture, that's what we've been conditioned to, is the opposite of mercy. It's vengeance. It's justice. And can I tell you, that's the opposite of what God has shown to us through Christ. He has given us compassion and shown us mercy. He has given us what we don't deserve. And friends, if you ever like, like wonder about people who lift their hands in worship and people who are just like, man, just loving on Jesus, it's probably because they understand this principle that, Lord, I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve anything you've given me, and I do not deserve that you sent your son to die for me. That's the essence of Christianity. And that's what God was showing Israel. But here's what, what I want to talk to you about today for the rest of the message. Now, I've always told you that grace and mercy are only are vertical and they're horizontal. The cross is vertical, but the cross is also horizontal. And so I believe once you understand the vertical part of mercy, of how you've received mercy from heaven, I believe then it becomes horizontal. Because here's the problem. If we don't understand mercy, here's what's going to happen. We'll end up being a menace. If you don't understand vertical mercy of how God has treated you in Christ, that it's humbled you, that it's transformed you, that our Heavenly Father would send His Son, that you didn't deserve it, here's what happens. 
it changes you. One of the ways that you can tell if the gospel's impacted your soul are you constantly being changed in your life. And if you misunderstand this about mercy, if you don't get mercy, you'll end up being a menace. And here's what I mean by that. You'll end up treating others unmerciful. You'll be critical, you'll be judgmental, you'll be hateful, you'll want vengeance, you'll want justice, you will just hate them and wish the worst on them all the time. And that's what we've been conditioned to. You know, when I, when I gave my life to Jesus, can I, can I tell you, that's, that's kind of how I was. I didn't understand the gospel and mercy. I was a menace. Like, like, I would go around judging other Christians all the time and even judging non-Christians all the time. And not just judging. When I say judging, I was a jerk to them. That's what, ju- that's what being a judging is. That's being a jerk to people. And so if I saw my friends, like, you know, not taking Jesus seriously or not reading their Bible, man, I was just going off on them. And in my mind, I was going off on them. I was just a jerk. I was a menace to everybody. And when I went to college to get my ministry degree, now, now I was about four years older than the other students. And so I kind of had some, you know, four years in college makes a big difference. Amen? Freshman to senior makes a big difference. So I went in kind of with that senior mindset already. I toured. I'd, I'd worked a real job. Most kids don't have to work real jobs. They go straight from college, you know, high school to college and don't understand, you know, had to get up three or four in the morning. So I was really judgmental. I just look around at them, man. It's like, man, they're, they're not serious. They don't go to convocation. They don't go to chapel. I would go to the prayer chapel, guys, and pray. That sounds like a good noble deed, right? Right? Amen. And you know what I thought when I walked in there? These sorry sons of guns. This place is empty. Why is, why is the house of prayer empty? These people are worthless. They don't love Jesus. That's what I thought. And I'm going to like, like, you know, self-righteous and just being a menace to people. And it wasn't until I was out of college that I began to really begin to listen to guys like Timothy Keller and guys like that to begin to share about the gospel, about the mercy of God, about justification, about that I didn't deserve any of this. And that, that, you know, and it just clicked with me. I'm a jerk to everybody else because I've not realized that God's gift of salvation was a gift. I did nothing to earn it, nothing to deserve it. So what did I do? I was a jerk to everybody horizontally. So if you're having issues with being critical and judgmental and being a jerk and nobody can lift your expectations and you always want vengeance on others, and if you have an issue with mercy on others, can I tell you what the issue may be? You just not have a revelation of the mercy that God's had towards you. Because once you have a revelation of the mercy that God, God has had towards you, it changes the way that you treat others. It creates compassion in you. So here's what I want us to do today. Since you have received mercy, reciprocate mercy. If you've received it, reciprocate it. Give it to others. That's the whole point. Like we should be people of mercy as followers of Jesus. And when Jesus came on the scene 2,000 years ago, he was speaking to the children of Israel. Understand when you read the red, red words of Jesus, that was before Christianity took place, right? Like it, Christianity wasn't established. The birth of the church wasn't established until after Christ rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. So Jesus was kind of pre-Christianity, and his ministry was to the Jews. And the Jews were elitist in that day and time because they had every right to believe that way. They were God's chosen people, and God had just protected them and blessed them and done so much for them, right? But Jesus, being a Jew, had a rub with his people. 
They weren't people who normally knew mercy and gave mercy. They were very judgmental. They hated Samaritans, hated Samaritans. They hated the other nations around them. Matter of fact, they wouldn't even walk through Samaria. Didn't want to go through it. Didn't want to be around those dirty people. And their, even their own religious system set it up this way. If you were a Jew and you came in contact with a non-Jew who had not been cleansed and ready for the temple ceremony and you shook their hand or ate with a non-Jew, guess what? You couldn't go to temple. You could not go to synagogue. You were now unclean. So they had this separatist mentality that they had been kind of, you know, in this, this non-merciful attitude toward others. And Jesus, in his first sermon ever, the Sermon on the Mount, he deals with that. And look what he says in the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke chapter 6, verse 35 says this, and he's speaking to his Jewish brothers and sisters. He says, but love your enemies. They're like, wait a minute. Joshua just mowed through his enemies, Jesus. I mean, Joshua was like the Old Testament Rambo. Canaanites, he just took them out. Remember Samson, the Philistines? Like, just cru- I love your enemies. Our MO has been crush our enemies. That's been the church shirts we've been wearing. And now you're bringing hats and t-shirts to say, love your enemies? He says, do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you'll be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. What he was saying to the Jews is, mimic your father. You're not merciful people. Like Jesus wouldn't have to tell them to be merciful if they were already merciful, right? And they weren't that. They'd not, uh, they, they thought that they had earned everything God had given them. They thought that they were just good enough to get God's blessings. He says, no, you have no clue how kind and how gracious and compassionate your heavenly Father is to those who are wicked, to those who don't deserve it. So Jews, be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. Can I tell you, if you're a Christ follower today, that's your, your message as well. Be merciful just as your heavenly Father is merciful. Since you've received mercy vertically, reciprocate mercy horizontally. Now here's what you have to understand about this here though. What does mercy look like? What does this look like in our daily life? Because many of us are going to hear this message, and here's what's going to happen. I want to take a time out, and I want to speak to you for a second. Some of you, I'm going to speak to two types of people in here. Some of you are just naturally mercy givers. Are there any mercy people in the house that just naturally just, oh, like you cry at those, those little videos on Facebook? Come on, who, who are the mercy people in here? You just kind of, you just, oh, you just, oh. You watch, the, you watch the little, little, little things on TV, the little kids overseas, and it could be a scam, but you don't care. You're just like, oh, take all my money. My mom was like that. You know, she just gave money to everybody, everything, just merciful. My dad was the opposite. What I want to share with you this morning, though, is how to be spirit-led in mercy. And mercy is not one-dimensional. Because if you're a natural mercy giver, God may want to give you a little bit of a backbone. I'm going to speak about what what mercy looks like for you. Because some of you think, okay, be a doormat. If I'm getting beaten, beaten by my spouse, then I just need to take it. If you're you're being abused by your spouse, get out. But but, but God says, get out. Right? If you're being abused by your spouse. If you're abusing your spouse and you're a guy, meet me out back at the church, and and I guarantee you'll never hit another woman again. Amen? Because the Lord tells me to, to lay hands. It's a biblical command. 
and we'll do some laying on the hands, right? Your, your life will be changed when we get finished. But I say that being serious because people who hear this that are they're naturally mercy givers in their flesh just get run over all the time. They hear this message, okay, I'll just be more of a doormat. Someone said, for the other people in here who are just jerks in the room like me, God's going to show you by His Spirit how to really be someone who is tender and compassionate and as merciful as your Heavenly Father is merciful. And so here's what I want to, to share with you this morning. Psalms 86.15 says this, if we're going to be like our Heavenly Father, what does it look like? Psalm 86.15 says, but you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion, gracious, long-suffering, and watch this, abundant in mercy and in truth. God is not just one-dimensional. See, we've, we've created this Jesus, this imaginary Jesus in America, this cultural Jesus that, is, that doesn't care about sin. He's like, oh, yo, bro, do what you want to, man. It's all good, dude. Yeah. I've said it before. We've created a Jesus that gets on a unicorn, rides rainbows, and throws marshmallows out to everybody. Just do what you want. You be happy. But that, that, that's not the Jesus of the Bible. That's not the Heavenly Father that is, is shown, that's revealed to us. He's full of mercy. He's also full of truth. And if we're going to mimic Him, then I want to show you how some of us need to have mercy and be merciful like our Heavenly Father. You're just mean. You're not merciful. You're a menace. You destroy other people. And for other of you, others of you who are, who are full of mercy, you're actually just a doormat. Your, your, your codependency is hurting others. You're enabling others. So the two types of groups in the room need the Holy Spirit to help us be what we're not naturally. I am not naturally compassionate, long-suffering, loving, kind, gentle. All that stuff it says about the, Holy, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, if you read that, that's not me. But can I tell you what it does? It drives me to be dependent upon the Spirit of God to be like my Heavenly Father. You cannot be like your Heavenly Father without the help of the Holy Spirit in your life. Without getting on your hands and knees saying, God, help me to be what I am not so I can be like you. So here are two truths that, that are going to help you. Two people, groups of people in the room, and usually can I just say this, don't look at your spouse because usually you two are, are opposite and you're married. One of you is the mercy giver and one of you is mean. You're the menace. So one of you wants to give it away. Those like, I ain't giving, that, that guy in the corner, he's probably scamming everybody. I ain't giving jack to him. He's probably making more money than I'm making, right? How do I know you think that way? Because that's the way I think. You know what I force myself to do, though? I, I will force myself to give money to people that are on the corner, not because they deserve it, not because they're scamming or not, because I need to be led of the Spirit to be, be more merciful and compassionate, right? So here, here's, here's two thoughts I, I want to leave you guys with today. Number one is this. Sometimes the greatest mercy you can give is being truthful. If you're a mercy giver in here, if you're someone who is like just full of just, oh, compassion, just do what you want to, I don't care, you know, sometimes your mercy, the greatest mercy you can share is actually being truthful to someone. God is speaking to someone today saying, you need to be truthful to this person. Maybe to yourself. You've never stood up for yourself. And that's why, let me just say this, like if you ever get someone who is a mercy giver to stand up for themselves, you're like, well, they were mean. They were rude. 
because they had to force themselves to do it. You naturally are mean. You naturally are just rude to everybody and they're used to it. But when that nice, sweet individual has to stand up for something, you know what happens to them? They come off as being mean or rude because that's not normal for them. But some of you need to do that. There are people in your life that you're enabling to destroy their lives because you won't set boundaries. You won't be truthful to them. And they need that. Amen? And as I close this morning, not only do you have people who are full of mercy that, that need to be truthful, but there's a whole other demographic in here today that you need the Holy Spirit to help you. And, and here's what that is. Sometimes the greatest truth you can share is showing compassion. My dad was not a mercy giver. My dad never said, son, I just love you. We're going to get through this. It's going to be okay. He never said that to me when I was going to court with him. He stayed quiet. Do you know how I experienced mercy from my dad? I watched him. The greatest truth that he could ever share with me that he loved me was he stood beside me when I didn't deserve it. When I was at my lowest, when I had nothing to offer, when I was draining his bank account with lawyers and things of that nature. Sometimes, the greatest truth you can tell. If you're a truth teller in here, you go around just telling everybody, I'll just tell the truth. No, you're a jerk. You're just a jerk. You're not telling the truth. As a matter of fact, here's the truth about truth tellers. Can I tell you this? Because I am one. They can't take it. They can dish it. But the moment you stand up and say, who do you think you are? You're not treating me like a jerk. They're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Spouses, some of you need to have a conversation because you're getting run over and the truth teller needs to be told the truth too. But if you're a truth teller in here, you need to understand compassion upon others. And if you want to see somebody's life changed, if you want to see them uh, again experience God's goodness, show compassion to them. Be kind to them. And you cannot do that on your own. In your flesh, in your flesh, let me tell you, you have the tendency to continue on the default mode. And this is what God does for us. Through the Holy Spirit, He helps us be what we can't be, what we're not natural at being. The Holy Spirit changes us and molds us. And here's the greatest way that happens. It's when you understand you have received mercy. And when you understand you've received mercy, you're like, I just want to give mercy because of what my Heavenly Father has done for me. And I pray that for you as Christ followers. I don't know whether you're that person that needs to set some boundaries and stand up for yourself through the power of the Spirit. Or I don't know if you're that person that's like me. You're just a natural jerk. <laughs> that's why I can say that so just freely because that's what I am, right? I'm, I'm, I'm a realist, what they call it. It's called being a jerk. You need the Holy Spirit to help you. Because people aren't experiencing compassion and kindness and grace through your life. And it's amazing that when you yield yourself to the Spirit of God, you will look back years later and you'll be unrecognizable to others. They'll say, Are you the same jerk that you were before? Do you know what I did? Guys, I'm, I went back to a lot of those people at college and I private messaged them on Facebook and I said, I am so sorry that I was such a jerk at college. I'm sorry for what I said. I'm sorry for what I did. I was a complete imbecile. 
please forgive me. Of course, they were kind and gracious. But I look back at that person and who I was, and I just can't believe that I actually was going to school for ministry and had those type of thoughts in my head because I didn't understand mercy. So this morning, here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you because we need the help of the Holy Spirit if we're going to have God to transform our lives to reflect His mercy and His grace and His truth to the world. Let's pray. Father, help us to be like Jesus, full of grace and truth, Lord, full of mercy and truth. I, I don't know what each person needs in here, but Father, there are people who are natural mercy givers, Lord. Today, the Holy Spirit's going to empower them to stand up, to speak truth, to set boundaries, to maybe even put relationships in jeopardy, Lord, because you're going to empower them to do what they've never done before. God, there are people in here who are not mercy givers. They hate being so critical all the time. They hate being so judgmental all the time. And God, you're going to empower them through your Holy Spirit to be full of mercy and compassion to others. And it's going to, make, it's going to speak louder than any truth they could ever say to someone when they show compassion through your Holy Spirit. God, help us today. We need your help to be like you. And as we're praying today, church, in this mode of prayer, maybe your step today is giving your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never received the mercy of God, and that's why you say, I just don't understand it, because you've never received it in Christ. You've never surrendered your life to Christ. You've never given your life to Jesus. Or maybe you walked away from your faith. Maybe you were hurt. Maybe you experienced a bad version of Christianity. I'm not sure what your story is. But today is your day. And right where you're sitting, right where you're at, I don't know who you are, whether you're online or in here physically today, today is your day to give your life to Christ. And it's simply praying this prayer. So I want you to pray this prayer after me. You say, God, I admit I'm a sinner. I'm in need of your mercy. I'm in need of the Savior. So today, I repent. I just turn from that old, worthless life. And I receive new life in Christ. For I believe that Christ is Lord. I believe that He died on the cross. And that He rose again on the third day for the forgiveness of my sins. Now, God, forgive me of all my sins. I receive forgiveness. I receive your Holy Spirit. And thank you for being with me and in me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name.